0: Hey, I'm glad you're here. And as we kind of make our way in, I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'm excited about this. This is—I've been writing these about two to three weeks out, and so that's pretty close for me. And this is the one I dreaded the most because it's also the most anticipated. And and what I mean by that, when we talk about de- declarative prayer um, today, I'm going to really get into the into the meat and bones. Of the matter of what declarative prayer is, and so this is this is uh, going to be somewhat of a tough one for all of us. You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about how how demonic territory does not want to be given up, and when it is, it comes with opposition. And so as we as we get ready to unpack all of this that I have for you today, let's pray. Went over it last night, and uh, it needs a lot of prayer, dear Jesus. Uh, I just pray, Father, as we unpack this, that truly you'll show us revelation. Give us your revelation. Teach us how to pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you saw what New Mexico passed yesterday, but they passed legislation to go ahead and abort babies all the way up to the final tri- trimester, the end of the final tri- trimester. And uh, guys, this stuff ought to be, be burning us on the inside as far as in our prayer lives. Uh, same thing with Virginia. Virginia. Um, New York was the first and so we're just seeing this this movement and it's interesting to me how how these legislatures can actually pass a bill on on children believing that their life is worth more than that unborn child and I'm not here to to get political I'm here to get real in our prayers my fear for America is we're sending more babies before the throne of God than we are prayers and that's dangerous. So uh, today we're going to be talking about taking territory. And this is a very, very important message. As we get started, I'm going to start here with Luke chapter 11, verse 24. Luke 11:24. 24. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Now let me just explain waterless places. That means that it is arid. All right? If it's not in the water, it's arid. It, it's moving through the air. So now we've got an unclean spirit That is passing through the air, and not and and it looks for a a place to seek rest. And not finding in it any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now he's talking about a house here. Jesus is is talking about a man's soul. He's talking about the inner part of a man. And so he says, This: this spirit says, I will return to my house from which I came came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself and they go in and live there and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. You could say it this way, the last state of that mankind. And here's why, because when a demon comes back and it brings seven other demons with it, it's it's planning on taking territory, it's looking at taking even more ground, not just this man's soul but the other souls around it. And so this is a very important scripture for us to look at. Guys, there are demonic forces that are at work in mankind today. And there are those that are, that are on the surface, in the air, that are looking for a place to rest. And there are people who have swept their houses clean, but yet forgot who they were in Christ Jesus. And I'll talk about that word here in a minute, uh, this, this house in order, that word order in just a moment. But they've swept their house clean, and because they've swept their house clean and did not put it in the right order or did not adorn it with the right things of God, then they were more vulnerable than they've ever been in their life. And so it brings back seven times the spirits. This, this is, uh, or seven other spirits, right? More evil than itself, more evil than the first. All right, so here's what you need to know. Prayer to resist and take territory back is essential it's essential the house the soul is empty and and that's the chief problem empty things need filling sadly if good things do not fill empty spaces evil things do and this seems to be at the heart of the lord's warning a second issue is here that that word ordered now let me talk about your house being in order because in the english language we really don't have a word strong enough to talk about what ordering the house looks like Ordering the house is filling the house. And a closer translation, I, I can give you uh, Cosmio, where, where we get the, the cosmos and the order of the cosmos. How, how um, when you look into the skies and the heavenlies and the stars look like they have an order. And, and, and that's, that's kind of the, the Greek term used here, okay? The Greek term is K-O-S-M-E-O. The, the lexicon term here is... K-E-K-O-S-M-E-M-E-N-O-N. Now that's a lot of letters. That's the alphabet. Why am I sharing that with you? For this reason. It means this. To put your house in order means this in the Greek. To beautify having the right arrangement, the right sequence by ordering. To adorn something. Make compellingly attractive, very appealing, inviting, awesomely gorgeous. That's what it means. So this is... This is the way the house is supposed to be put in order, that because it's in such order and because it's adorned with all the things of Jesus, it's like a city on the hill. You remember Jesus talking about, let your light shine like a city on the hill? Well, this is adorning. So, so what he's saying is, is that when the house is swept clean, it is to be adorned with Christ Jesus. This is, this is how we protect ourselves. And we protect others by adorning our lives with Christ Jesus. And prayer is a huge part of this. Look, when we don't, others are at risk. If we live passive Christianity, what happens is we lose territory, we lose ground and lives are at risk. That's why I started the way I did this morning. All right? It's not really political, it's it's factual. I, I, I mean, I asked the question, are we sending more babies from our nation before the throne of God than we are prayers? This should become concerning. But when we have our house in order, when it's swept clean, because this is what happens when we're born again, our house is swept clean. And as our house is swept clean, the, the demons are cast out. And, 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 and now it's time to bring Christ in and let him dwell there and order our lives. This is why Jesus didn't just, just say, uh, those who love me, those who love me simply accept me as their savior. That's not what he said. He said, those who love me do what? That's right, obey my commands. In other words, they put their lives in order. They, they listen to me and allow me to put their lives in order would be a w- better way to say it. And when we are in Christ, we are to be adorned in Him. Meaning this, we should light up like a city on a hill. We should never lose our saltiness. We should be attractive for others to see His kingdom working within us. Knowing the promises of God are yes and amen, we should be compellingly attractive. We should be very inviting. Look, this is how disciples are made. People see your faith, they see your witness, and what do they want? They want their lives to be ordered. They want their lives to be adorned. They want their lives to be attractive as well. This is how God has created us to be. So, as we submit submit ourselves to God through prayer, He sweeps the very cracks of our lives, and we should allow Him to fill us up by His Holy Spirit. The light of Christ should be a beacon for others to see. And if you put this into context jesus is speaking to the pharisees the pharisees are giving jesus a hard time matter of fact you remember this this is where they're saying hey but you know you might be casting those demons out by beelzebub and this is where jesus makes the famous statement a house divided itself cannot stand right and so so uh, uh, here's what happens when you look at it in context jesus is making a point to them they have swept it clean but the demons came back stronger to overtake their territory They were not responsible, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious scribes, were not responsible with what God had given them. Their prayers had become prayers not not for the saints, but for the saints' money. That's basically what it had had boiled out to, all right? Remember, if anyone knew about God giving territory to his people, it was the Jews. These people should have known. Their Their ancestors were the ones that inherited the promised land. And this is important. I, I, I mean, what did the Jews have to do? They had to cross the river, and they had to go and take the promised land. You remember they, at one time, 12 spies were sent over. Two of them came back, and, and uh, Joshua and Caleb, and what did they say? Oh, man, let's go get it. It's ours. And everybody else said, yeah, but did you see the size of the giants? The people over there are huge. No, 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 no. What God has told us to do is to go take the territory go take the land and and that doesn't change for us as christians when the house is swept clean then god empowers us watch to increase our territory david great example on increasing territory and understanding the importance of battle and going before his lord but but david even commands the people hey let each one of you expand your tent and multiply it's it's important this is how god created look God created us to be builders because God is a builder. And God chose to work throughout the land, not by himself, but alongside and within us to expand his territory. Don't ever forget that. Because if we ever become complacent, we stand at risk exactly what we're seeing in our nation today. That's just from complacency. Ephesians 4.27 says this, and you're going to be familiar with this, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Here's the thing, the literal interpretation of this scripture says it this way. Don't give your territory over to the devil. That's the literal translation. Don't give your territory over to the devil. So, many of us don't realize that there's a fight going on. We get comfortable, we become complacent, we rock on through life hoping not to rock our boat or hoping our boat doesn't get rocked and hoping not to rock anyone else's boat. What we don't realize is there is a battle going on. Oftentimes, it's raging below our ships, and we don't realize it until it engulfs us. Our marriages are silently and slowly and slowly slipping away, but we didn't see it coming. Our kids are being tempted beyond what they can endure, but we didn't see it. Our finances are being attacked, but we didn't see it. Our success keeps getting greater and greater in life, but our integrity becomes more and more compromised, and yet we didn't see it. Prayer brings revelation. Last week's message, that's what I was speaking on, that prayer brings revelation. When you go before God, you should expect to receive a revelation for your life and for the lives of those around you. When you set before God as He speaks, He gives us revelation. He, he, He calls us to greater things in our lives. Prayer brings this revelation. But if we don't pray, if we refuse to see, the demons show up and begin to claim the territory that we were supposed to have. I'm telling you, it goes one way or or the other. This is how it works. Genesis 1, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice that, that the Lord's command is what? to subdue the earth and to fill it from the very start genesis genesis means the beginning from the very beginning god's directive towards mankind is to go and fill the earth and subdue it this is it now we he's not talking about subdue it like go over there with a with a bunch of swords and guns and pistols and and shoot everybody that doesn't believe the way you do. He's talking about subdue the earth, fill the earth with his spirit, with his kindness, with his love, and, and don't become complacent. So here's the thing. We are called from the beginning to fill the earth, to take territory. Look, I oftentimes have no idea what my neighbors are doing. I've got neighbors uh, that are too close, um, you know, just, just simply saying, uh, I've always believed that I needed to live where I could shoot a 22 in any direction and not worry about hitting anyone. Right? That's that's the perfect place for me. It may not be for you, but I've got neighbors closer than that, and I've hit them a couple times with my 22. But in saying that, I really don't pay attention. That's a joke. But I, I really don't pay attention to what my neighbors are doing. I don't know if they are painting their house pink, watering their yard, or feeding their dogs. It doesn't really matter to me. What matters is what belongs to me, my territory. What God has entrusted to me and what he wants me to expand upon. See, if I'm simply into my own property, my own simplicity, I can become like the man who didn't fill his territory. In other words, if if I get so caught up in what everyone else is doing and all the chatter of the world, I'll neglect my own territory. And, and here's the thing, what God has given me, I should take ownership of. Because Jesus teaches this time and time again from the parable of the sowers all the way over, or the parable of the sower all the way over to um, the parable of the talents, he that, that, that was given three, right, did so well with the talents. The other one that, that gave two doubled his talents. But the one that was given one, what did he do? He went and buried it. Then he probably talked about everybody else and how well they were doing. You know that person, right? He's so concerned about everybody else. And, and, and so his territory really dwindled. Everybody else's did what? It multiplied. It multiplied. What they had multiplied. This is how God works in us. So rather than be worried about what everybody else is doing and, and all their territory, my, my main goal for my neighbors is what? To invite them into fellowship with Jesus Christ, the one that wants to expand their territory and his kingdom through them. That would be my, my main concern. But here's what I know, that, that my territory, and when I talk about territory, guys, you've got to think of territory beyond just physical land. It does deal with that to some degree but it also what what are some other ideas of of your physical territory what god has given you to expand his kingdom children good family people of influence sphere of influence perfect that's gonna be very important here in a minute so all those things right are our territory our spheres of influence that that type of thing is our territory that's how god expands his kingdom through us now uh too many of us are complacent and not looking to expand And Satan, his demons, look, they may leave you alone because you're completely ineffective. It's not a great place to be. Careful, because they may come back seven times stronger. And and what we just read, if they come back seven times stronger, it says the last state of that man was worse than the first. That's a terrible place to be. That is deep anguish. None of us want to finish and end our lives in that state. You don't want to do that. Luke chapter 8, we're going to spend some time here. And I know I'm flying, guys, but I got a lot here, and we've got to get it unpacked. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. You've probably heard this story. Incredible story. Jesus is about to take a trip on the Sea of Galilee. He's about to, to go across the sea here. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Now, so here is Jesus. He goes across this big sea, um, and as he goes across this sea, he, he, he confronts a man who's over there with a demon, all right? Now, this, this story is told a couple times in Scripture. One In, in one uh, account, there's a couple of men. In this account, there's just this one man. He's got a demon, all right? And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I done? What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness." And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered this man. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of swine, of many swine, was feeding on on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down to the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and the country, then they went out to see what had happened. All right, this is a fairly long story. I just read to you uh, uh, quite a story. <laughs> Stay with me. We've got to unpack this. this. This is a man that Jesus, this is interesting to me, because Jesus knew that man would be on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus says to this man. Now, it's interesting to me, because would this man be a Jew? no he's a gentile how do we know that Well, one you could study your history books and find out that the Gadarenes that's who they were right but but being on the as a matter of fact uh, Capernaum was on the other side as well and that's gen, Gentile nation as well but or Gentile people as well but in this in this case where did the where did the demons go they went into swine and most times Jews aren't running around with swine I'm just just a heads up all right so, so, so what we have here, right, he's going over to, to a Gentile person who is being tormented by legion, by, by many devils, if you will. All these, all these demons had entered this man. And, and here's the neat thing about Jesus. What we see is Jesus, he makes it very plain. He came first to who? The Jews and then to the Gentiles. So what Jesus is doing here is he's given us a model of, of our prayer life. This is really a spiritual model. He is expanding his territory. Jesus is expanding his territory. So he goes across the Sea of Galilee here, and prayer should always do that. My first ethical point this morning is prayer should expand your territory, because revelation is given in your time of prayer, and through that revelation, it should expand our territory, it should expand our sphere of influence. The Gadarenes were across the Sea of Galilee. They were Gentiles. Jesus was about to expand his territory. He is willing to cross the sea for this Gentile man man who is demon-possessed. I love this. For God so loved the Jews. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his his one and only son, right? So here's the one and only son headed across to a man who is demon-possessed. The second thing is this my second applicable point there's six here expansion of territory brings resistance any time you look to expand your territory any time that you are given revelation before god moves in us and among us and we say yes just know that there is another genesis there is another beginning that's taken place and it's from the demonic activity in the world and they say "Uh uh-oh they're coming we're looking at an expansion of territory so you can expect that there's going to be resistance the devils are coming the lord calls us to take the land he fights for us but we have a fight as well this is ephesians 6 right the shoes of the gospel the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation we have a part in this as well men And so God comes alongside of us, but we have to be willing to take the steps forward. Whenever you seek to expand your territory, your influence, expect a demon to show up. Sometimes you have to fight for things that you have taken for granted for for years in life. Your marriage, your children, your health. You didn't see it coming this way, but you you are being prepared to expand your territory. The third thing. As you expand, you must claim and take ownership. Look, we're not merely just renters. We're not merely just leasers. Uh, We're not even just stewards. I I tell people this all the time, that this would never be Curtis House's church, ever. Uh, Who am I to get between Jesus and his bride? I mean, our God's a jealous God. He'll take me out. I don't want that to happen. What I appreciate is the opportunity to steward this position for a season and what a beautiful season it's been but but now listen when god is expanding our territory we can't see it as just stewardship we have to see it as ownership here's now here's where we all are are in the same boat as children of the most high god being his children means that we have an inheritance of his kingdom That means that I'm going to take ownership of everything that he's placed in my path. See, if you see yourself simply as a renter or a steward for a a short amount of time, then it all pays the same. Well, as long as I reach the kingdom of heaven, I mean, when I die, that's that's really what I'm shooting for. That's the main goal here. That's the main option. But that's not God's main option for you. He teaches us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And the way that that happens is in and through us. God's work in us. We are called to claim that territory and in order to claim that territory, you must take ownership of it. Take ownership of your family. You know what I take ownership of, I'll fight for? Because it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to Satan, it doesn't belong to anyone else. No, this is what God has given me to fight and stand firm and know it's mine. See, when God has shown you revelation, you've gonna, you're going to have to fight for it. A person who takes ownership is willing to fight for what belongs to him. You're not, no one is going to take this away. Not Satan, not his people, not his person. No, I'm going to fight for what is mine in the name of Jesus. And it's in those fights that your sword is sharpened instead of dulled. And you become more in sync with the type of fight that you're in. You're not only allowing God to sweep the house, but it's becoming attractive to others. It's in order. We stay humble, but we fight because it belongs to us. And sometimes God will bring others in that fight with you in order for this territory to be expanded he doesn't call us to fight alone we know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us so you can take ownership of that you're not going to be by yourself and here's the neat thing when we as men of god begin to pray together begin to pray for one another then our territory multiplies that much faster this is why jesus says where two or three are gathered when you multiply this thing you don't just add it multiplies so learn to take ownership the fourth thing, know the schemes of the devil. Know the schemes of the devil. This is interesting. The demons will attempt to negotiate. Eventually, I mean, just this morning, my own personal reading this morning, my own ter- personal Bible study, and I don't, I don't, other than with Allison, uh, I don't go through Bible studies. I'm just going to tell you, my Bible studies just, Uh, i start either in genesis or matthew sometimes isaiah and i just read it straight through where i feel like the lord's calling me but my 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 study this morning was matthew chapter 4 in matthew chapter 4 we always say this that jesus's ministry started after his baptism but as i was reading this morning god gave me revelation and he said "No, no no it started after my temptation he was baptized but in Matthew, chapter, in Matthew chapter 3, but in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit, and he is what? He is tempted. He fasts 40 days, and the first thing Satan comes along with and says, hey, how about this? You want some bread? You can command those stones to become bread. That's what the Word of God said. Boom, make it happen. He was tempted. Notice that even in Matthew chapter 4, and this isn't in my notes just because I read it this morning, but it just all goes, it parallels this, but notice that, that Jesus as, as, he's, as he's speaking with the devil here, with Satan himself, Satan is trying to negotiate a different plan. That's what happens. Know the schemes of the devil. It's the same thing that happens here. Uh, Jesus, uh, he says, what is your name? And he said, Legion. He's speaking, of course, to, to uh, the demonic here in this man because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss so rather than send them out into the air this is interesting because this is their negotiation here's they're not concerned with the man that they're inhabiting they're concerned with the territory they're about to lose you see that and so this is very important because what what's going on here is a spiritual battle for territory i mean there's there's a big thing that's about to happen So know the schemes of the devil. Notice that they begged him not to throw him into the abyss, but into the swine. They did not want to give up the territory. The Gadarenes, as I've said this before, they were an unreached people group. And now Jesus, God with flesh pulled on, is standing in their midst. See, we have to be careful because the demons want to convince you that you have enough already. Just be satisfied with what you have. And many of us will take that over to the Apostle Paul and what the Apostle Paul said. He he said, hey, I've learned to be content in all situations. Well, the type of contentment that the Apostle Paul is talking about is a peaceful contentment regardless. But the Apostle Paul was never done with gaining territory. Men, that's what led him to Rome. Okay, he was not done with gaining territory for the kingdom of God. So here's Jesus in the midst of an unreached people group. The demons want to convince you that you have enough, that everything in moderation. Most think things just happen. The devil and his demons, listen, are calculated. You've got four children? Let me have one. You're tired? Give up your marriage so that you can rest at night. She's crazy anyway. I mean, they want to help negotiate the situation rather than be cast out of the territory in the name of Jesus. The fifth thing learn to adorn yourselves so we started here and we're going to end here when you come to Christ your house is swept clean but there's a great warning in what Christ says here and what Jesus says here because what what Jesus is saying is hey the last date of that man was worse than the first It swept it clean but didn't adorn it with the things of Christ didn't get the revelation for their life that Christ had in mind for them learn to worship and pray in conflict because when you're praying in conflict when you're worshiping in conflict what you'll find out is that that is a way of adorning it's like a christmas tree it's another ornament another ornament that shines brighter and brighter for others to see it becomes a witness to all those who are watching it's tough to do This man was attempting to get to Jesus. When you look at this, what happens? This man comes to Christ, and he falls at his feet. He was attempting to get to Jesus, but what were the demons attempting to do? Get him away. So this man had to find himself worshiping in conflict. The demons were attempting to get the man out of there. Here's a man who was exiled even by the Gentiles. Do you realize that? When you read this, this man wasn't just... I mean, the Jews wouldn't have accepted this man, but even his own people didn't accept him. He was sent off. He was bound up and changed because of the demons. And where was he living? In the tombs. Tombs are where who live? I knew you'd say the dead, but dead aren't living. But, but it's true in, in that sense. There's a lot taking place here because here's a man who, who is exiled by his own people. He's cast out. He's bound up in chains. There's no hope for him. So he's already sitting out there waiting just to be thrown into one of those tombs. Hopefully he'll die and they'll be able just to drag him into one of those tombs. So he's living among the dead. Now listen, men of God, all of us have been pulled out of the dead. We have all found ourselves in tombs. I mean, we, unless we're born again in Christ, we're living among the dead. As a matter of fact we're dead among the dead is a better way to say it so here's where they were here's a man who is exiled by his own people. They could see that this man was demon possessed so they knew that there's a spiritual world going on because they they said of, of their own he's got a demon this man was living among the tombs living among the dead all of the dead all of us have been this guy we were dead in our trespasses but jesus crossed over to us as well remember that (coughs) worship and pray and declare i am a child of god no weapon formed against me shall stand sometimes the affliction is a fight because you are expanding your territory your influence it doesn't come without resistance Those things are sent against us. Like I said, everything has a beginning. Everything has a genesis. And and as you go to expand your territory, Satan is calculated, but learn to adorn yourselves. And, And two great ways of adorning yourselves are worship and prayer. They hang beautiful ornaments on you during a season of persecution. And finally, the last thing. The wind affects far more than you know. As you expand your territory, as you expand your territory, this win will affect far more than you know. Verse 34, right here at the end. When those who fed them, speaking of the pigs, saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they all went out to see what happened. <laughs> this is interesting because... Here is a man who, who has now, uh, the demon's been cast out, he's in worship to Jesus, he's of sound mind now, he, he has a purpose, he's no longer going to walk among the people of the tombs, he's no longer in the tombs, he has revelation, the one of revelation is standing before him, and it didn't just affect him, it would infect, it, it, it would infect and, and, and impact that entire region those in the country and those in the city all of them would come out and say my goodness we heard of this crazy this is why we wouldn't go to the mountainside this crazy man all bound up and all this stuff and the demons that were up there and possessing him and how they would shout out to different people as they came by that probably happened it wasn't just that they shouted out to jesus these legions had people in fear this is how powerful your testimony is See, your testimony will impact far more than you know. And as you expand your testimony, expect resistance, but always be confident. God uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Right? Romans 8. He'll use it for his glory and he'll win a nation through your testimony. Men, just a a simple message, but a powerful message on expanding your territory.